Hi, and welcome to the 25th episode of Breaking Free Podcast, a body-mind-spirit approach to mental health. I'm your host, Summer Seitz, and today I'm excited to have a special guest on our podcast, and that's my husband, Michael Seitz. Hi, everyone. Good to be here. And I'm just really excited about this topic today because we've been talking about, in the last several months, we've been talking about being a creator, being a co-creator. We've also talked about breaking free of like codependency. And I think probably I'm just trying to think about your thought process as a, as a collective, but you know, where do our partners come in in this journey that we're on? I know that healing's an inside job and there's much we do on our own, but is relationship necessary in the healing process? And first of all, I just like to let my husband introduce himself a little bit. You guys know what I do professionally as a licensed mental health counselor, uh, women, women's wellness expert, but I just really want you to um, you know, hear a little bit what Mike does professionally so you can get a sense of him. Yeah, no, thanks, Summer. I, I think uh, I'm going to start by saying first and foremost, I'm a husband and I'm a father. Uh, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, as a male, we oftentimes associate our personhood with um, our professional occupation. Um, but uh, the reality is, you know, I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a dad. Uh, from a professional realm, uh, I am a CEO of a franchise company. Uh, and uh you know, we have stores across the country, but uh, that allows me to learn a lot from dealing with uh, a lot of different personalities and a lot of different uh, drives, a lot of different motivations that people have. Uh, living in conflict is a constant uh, reality for me. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's it's kind of my second marriage to some extent. Um, <laughs> Definitely. But um, uh, yeah, that's what I do. Awesome. I really appreciate that. You know, it's so awesome that he brought that out because that's true, right? And I think that there's a lot of shame in, and we'll talk about that today, you know, what is our, um, where's our purpose and our worth, right? And I think that we can even have the flip side that women's worth is based in their role as mother. And um, I think there's, we're a total person, you know, we, I'm not a mother or, or a therapist. I'm, I'm Summer. And I'm all those things, right? And all of those things are valuable. And so um, I'm really glad. And we're going to be talking about that, that you you know, brought that out. But um, first of all, I want to just talk about our need for partners in the healing process, right? We as people overcoming trauma and going through transformation, we have what I call inner dragons. And there's this theory that I once was introduced to um, from emotion-focused therapy was the idea of our our trauma, think about like a dragon in a, in a cave, right? And so that dragon, especially in that darkness in that cave, is something that we really have a hard time approaching. Um, but if we feel like we have someone to approach it with, someone that will come with us, beside us, we have the courage to approach that. Now that's your dragon, right? That's something you need to face. But if you face that with someone, next to someone, it's much easier to do. And what's beautiful is when you, of course, bring light into that cave, you realize it's not a huge dragon anymore. It's something much smaller, much more manageable. Um, but you wouldn't even have, it stays a dragon. It stays something huge until you're able to kind of bring light into that issue. And because of my relationship with Mike, I think that's really something, um, that I was able to do. Um, but I wanted to kind of take you to the part of the journey, um, you know, our early relationship right? In our dating phase, Mike and I met when we yeah. were 19 years old in, in college. And at that stage, I was really just budding in the idea of shame and the really mm. facing my, starting to face my dragon for the very first time. Some of you, I've told you that story. I didn't even realize that I was living in perfectionism and shame until about this stage of the game. And so I met Mike and I really had a pretty solid mask on when I met you, right? Mm. Yeah. And, and I want to let you kind of interject here. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I think uh, I didn't see that mask. Uh, I think that's the whole point of a mask <laughs> yeah. is uh, uh, that we try to put on a facade that uh, maybe puts ourselves in the best light. Uh, and, uh, you know, my, my first impressions of you were, um, I think, as you would expect from somebody that has a mask, it was uh, very much... Um, uh, highly ambitious, uh, absolutely beautiful, uh, easy to get along with, lots of friends. All all the peripherals were there uh, that that I think society would say, "Hey, this is a successful, um, well adjusted, well adjusted <laughs> yeah. individual." Now, I came from an interesting reality, and that is, uh, uh, I was pretty arrogant <laughs> and pretty self assured, and and so I didn't even know what it would look like. Uh, honestly, to, uh, I think, struggle and have uh, issues with uh, personhood and self-worth. Uh, I had the opposite reality. I didn't see my frailties. I didn't see my flaws. And, and so uh, it was a really interesting kind of a combination. And, and, and you know, what was I first attracted to? I was, I was attracted to um, the fact that Summer was intelligent, that, uh, that you were beautiful, um, but also that you were charismatic. I loved the I loved the charisma that you had. You know, I think this is really important that you bring that out. That this idea of um, the, you know the opposites attracting because as I've worked with many marital couples now over the years, we are often attracted to our unfinished business, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like your partner has the strength on some level that you need and they have the opposite. So I was very, I was almost too humble in the sense and not that I was acknowledging it, but I was almost too much in the, Oh, I have flaws. Mm. Right. That was an imbalance. But on the other end, you were imbalanced in the, I don't have any flaws. Right. And so that was this coming into the middle for us. And of course, just like anything, you push the edges off of each other. And and now we've been married nearly 20 years and this process of really coming into that middle of like me coming into confidence and I would say you coming into greater coming humility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I think that that's, that's, that's intentional of source, right, is to help us to grow and our relationships are there to bring that growth out. Um, but again, so I'm coming into this relationship in what I would call complex PTSD. And for those of you who have complex PTSD, it's not like you had one life event where you lost your sense of personhood. I had a pretty a solid upbringing, right? I had a had good parents, I would say in most respects, but there were some losses that uh, in personhood and just like a lot of people who have complex B- PTSD, there was a desire, there was an inner kind of perpetuation of brokenness of isolation, rejection of self and others. And it was very, very subtle. Mm-hmm. And so um, it wasn't necessarily picked up by partners. And I think that's what happens. You get married, right? And so we did and mm-hmm. we got married. And at, at, and at some point in time, you just can't keep up the mask, mm-hmm. right? And so as you start to have disagreements like we do, I started to have some you know, breakdowns that were surprising to you that mm-hmm. I really didn't like myself. And I wanted to share with the group that I I really was fearful. I think my greatest inner fear was that if I took off the mask and you saw that I really truly had brokenness, which I believed mm, was I who still, I was. Would I still see you? Would I still love you? Yeah. Would you still love me? Would you want to be here? I really believed if I was authentic mm-hmm. and uh, my true self that I would be rejected. That's what I believed at that stage of the game. And I and I think many people feel that way. Mm-hmm. And so I, I in, in society and in their marriage, and so I didn't know how to be authentic and real. I really thought I had to pretend to be, mm-hmm. and that was the way. If I would just be, pretend to be the good wife, if I would pretend to be 
whatever I was, you know, in my professional world that that would, then I would eventually arrive, right? Fake it till you make it. That's a really common concept today. Yeah. I don't think we'd have that phrase if that wasn't so ingrained in society and society. I mean, society promotes that society promotes the idea, or at least it did in the past. Uh, I think it's changed a lot. Uh, but in the past, society definitely promoted the idea that you put your best foot forward, uh, that uh, your persona, your image is just as important um, as a lot of the things that you do, but also just as important as who you are and who you feel inside. I think that public persona um, is oftentimes uh, um, supported and built up. And, and, and luckily, I, I see you know, societally today, uh, that shift towards the authentic self, that shift towards uh, accepting who we are, uh, I think is a powerful message. I, I was actually, it was funny, in, in preparation for this, uh, uh, there's a, a great uh, movie, actually. Uh, <laughs> Mike's a big movie I'm buff. I'm a big movie fan. <laughs> uh, but there's a great movie uh, that uh, Chris Pine is in, Reese Witherspoon in, uh, and it's there's there's a scene in this movie. Uh, essentially, he's he's this great CIA guy. So for all those guys out there, it's an action movie, but also is a romantic comedy. It's perfect. It's date perfect night date movie. night movie. <laughs> um, but there's a scene where where uh, is it? Reese this is war. Is that the movie? yeah? Where where she okay. goes to see his parents and meet his family. Ah. And uh, when she goes and she's there. She's kind of embarrassed about herself. She's embarrassed uh, that there's that people are seeing who she really is, and uh, uh, and and Chris Pine turns to her and goes and goes, um, you know, basically, essentially, bit just just be yourself. And she's like, well, but I make mistakes. And she goes, and, and his response was, I don't believe in mistakes. Mm. This idea that the good, the bad, everything about us is what makes us who we are, uh, and that that is is the kind of foundational start to to love and healing. Oh, absolutely. I, one of the quote taglines you guys have probably seen on my Instagram and you know all the things I've been putting out there uh, in social media is that there's no such thing as failure. There's mm -hmm. just learning. That's a core belief of mine. Yeah. And that was a belief that came out of this process, right? I didn't yeah. have that at this time in the story. Um, it, I just, I had to kind of start to move into, you know, it's okay to be imperfect. And I think that um, like, you know, again, many people coming out to PTSD, I was really afraid. I was very fearful um, and it wasn't a perfect thing uh, coming out and being imperfect, right? Because mm -hmm. truthfully, it's not like you even know who you are. If you've lived a fake self for so long, most yeah. of my clients, including me, are like, who am I? Yeah. And that was the start, right? Who am I really? What's my true self? I don't even know who that yeah, is. You got to start with that journey. Yeah, I don't even know who yeah. that is. I, this is, and it's very wobbly. And, and I think that's important that it is very wobbly. Um, but I think this is where you really helpful in that process. And so, um, I kind of want to talk about that, particularly the concepts of aspirational shame mm -hmm. a little bit, because we'll call it the Sherwood phase. <laughs> we talk about this a lot, the Sherwood phase. We lived in Sherwood, Oregon. And now you have to remember, we've been married about, gosh, how old would see Tyler was born. So he'd been about three Five six years maybe at this point. Yeah, it was it was it was basically the six to about ten year phase. This is a very key tough part. Mm -hmm. You can make it for the first ten years in a marriage. You guys, you're doing pretty good because the first ten years are the roughest for most couples, and you know that's when you're in the earning years. You're trying to figure out who you are professionally. You're trying to figure out who you yeah. are as a parent. Um, so I'm a new parent. I, we've got a three-year-old. Um, <laughs> you were trying to figure out who you were professionally. Mike had gone to dental school and about two years into dental school, yeah. he decided that wasn't for him. He was doing some self-growth too. And 
came to me and said, I just, this isn't for me. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm the stay home mom supporting you. You're going to, you know, make all my dreams come true. Right. And I really had put all of my aspiration in you mm-hmm. and thought I was, li- and I was living this role that I felt like society was telling me, sure. at least my culture was telling me that I needed to do. Like I was, I was to be a mom. I was to be supportive. Um, and you know, I was here to support you. And I really was in that headspace until you made a shift, which was courageous. And I really think one of my favorite, favorite um, quotes is by Marianne Williamson, this idea of like when someone lets their light shine out, it kind of gives permission to the other. Mm-hmm. And so you did that. You were like, hey, I, I can make a change. I can make a, a, a shift in course. And you really made me go inside and be like, what do I want? You know, yeah. if he can make a shift, maybe I'm not on the path that is best for me because mm-hmm. truthfully, I wasn't happy. It wasn't that I wasn't happy as a wife or a mother. I loved being a mom and, and that was an important part. But I knew there was some inner call. I think we all have a purpose that I wasn't answering to. And so I got very curious and that's a whole nother story. I just felt really called to go back to graduate school. But when that happened, I mean, I had a, I had a two-year-old son Yeah. and I was a stay-at-home mom. I had quit teaching public school to be home, to support you in your career. And it, I really had a hard time making this choice. So can maybe you weigh in as a, a husband in this point? Uh, yeah. I, you know, I think uh, I had the uh, benefit of, of being the son of a very progressive mother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom, I guess, for all intents and purposes, was a hippie. <laughs> she was. But <laughs> you know, love I loved that. Uh, but one thing that uh, I was raised with... Um, was uh, not necessarily a patriarchal system. I was raised in a system where there is absolute equality yeah, between husband and wife. Parents, wife. Yeah. They adored each other and they support each other and they champion each other. So, um, you know, with that as kind of a backdrop, um, you know, I, I was, I'm, I'm a firm supporter that is, is uh, you know, some great religious leader once said, you let your wife fly her own kite and you support it. Uh, there's, I think there's a real strength uh, that comes from somebody being the champion for your life. Uh, and what an amazing honor and privilege it is as a husband to be able to, to do that for your spouse. I think, I think uh, uh, there's, you, you can't, you can't take those kind of leaps um, alone. And it would have been an end of the relationship, you know? So yeah. it's so much more important to me to, you know, stay connected to Mike and to be able to be the mother I needed to be at this stage. And so, but again, God just kept calling me and making it very clear. And honestly, it took me about six months to be able to accept that this was truth coming to me, right, individually. And it really went against mm-hmm. my current paradigm, which was yeah. what my role was, yeah. right? My yeah. role was to be home, to support my children, and I was like how I had what I would call aspirational shame, which is a really common concept now that it wasn't okay as a female to have aspiration outside of the family because that meant I didn't care about my children or that mm-hmm. wasn't a priority for me and my children would suffer. And so I would constantly come to you, but what about our kids? What about, mm-hmm. you know, what about, our, we were planning on having more kids, right? Yeah, we, we actually yeah. did have our daughter, Aubrey, one year into graduate school. We're like, all right, we'll just go ahead and have her then, right? Yeah. And so we did that. But it was a partnership. And that was the first time we really partnered in, truly partnered, I think, in everything. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think, I think it's, it's honoring the person, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I I can't imagine as a husband um, wanting to pursue something 
um, aspirationally or just if I felt that that was my purpose and my calling um, and not feeling like I would be supported or not feeling like I could. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think there's situations where, for example, if I want to go do something that's that's totally counterproductive to my family, then then I would acknowledge that and recognize that. But at the same time, uh, I knew that you would always support me. And so um, when you decided that, hey, this is this is what I want to do, this is what I feel um, called to do, and this is what's important to me, as soon as as soon as I recognize this is important to you, then it became an opportunity for me as a spouse. It came, became an opportunity for me to um, essentially side with you, team with you, uh, grow with you, and help you realize that that you have value and that I will support you period. Uh, and, there's no conditions on that. Story. And I want you to know that this was a huge part of falling in love with my husband more because I'd never had up until that point in my life, a real converse, like a real mirroring from a male figure in my life that it was yeah. saying, and I have a good father, but that was really saying that, um, I'm going to take a backseat to you because you yeah. did. Yeah. He, Mike, uh, decided to <laughs> switch his work in such a way where he stayed home you know, uh, especially once I got out of school a couple of days a week and was supporting me, you know, as I got out into the work field and because we wanted to partner together in nurturing and caring for our children, it was important for us that they had somebody there. So we did it together. Um, that's not for everyone, but I, what I think is it was for us. And I think that, and it was for me, I knew that. And, and, and there were a lot of crabs. I talk about the crab theory, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. just, in fact, it wasn't the men in my life, ironically, that were the least supportive. Yeah. It was the females. And I think a lot of them evolved, you know, whoever they are now, like they've evolved too. But at that time, there was a vernacular among women because again, of their own shame, when somebody breaks out of that box, right, they, they move into a different direction and changes the rules of the game. As Sometimes as women, because that challenges us, our inner dialogue, we can be very rejecting. Mm-hmm. Like you can't do that. It's against the rules, right? This is yeah, what we're doing. Yeah, and so I, I was, I had a lot of women in my life that would come to me and be like, you know, I can't believe you care about more about your yourself than your children. And I, I was really insecure. And I think again, I was still working on my personhood. Who am I really? Who am I? Am I really gaining worth from this? Is that what this is about? Or is this really about my inner call with the Lord? And I really think that you were very grounding at that time because you too as a prayerful person, you, you know, you went to source and was like, no, this is really what she needs to do. And I need yeah. to support her in that. And I remember many times you coming to me and being like, I also feel confirmation mm-hmm. that this is what, not that you were doing it for me, but like I, that, that is right for you. You would remind me of that assurity that I would often lose in this moment. Yeah. I, th- I think, um, you know, one thing that we learned during that time was that the husband spouse relationship, that spousal relationship, um, when you work as a team, when you work as co-equal partners, um, you have the ability to manifest and define what your reality is as a family system. Um, you know, whether it's the husband staying home, whether it's the wife staying home, whether it's both working, uh, whatever that dynamic is, as long as there's a unifying togetherness between husband and spouse, um, and you can champion each other in that, uh, and there's enough humility to to be okay with your spouse doing whatever they need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think oftentimes if we get to the bottom of certain 
conflicts, and this is you and me as well, bottom of certain conflicts when we do go head to head and we do argue or whatever we do, <laughs> for those of you listening all the time. We're both strong personalities. Uh, we do. Is, yeah. is if we get to the bottom of it, there's always some ego pride that's in there um, that ultimately is the driver of why that contention is there. So there was multiple facets, right, in the marriage. So in the first six years, for time's sake, this might be yeah. a little bit a longer one today, but, um, <laughs> because the, you know, who knows? It's a long story. But so there was that. There was that, okay, I went back to school. But of course, anytime you've got so much on your plate, you also have a, like scarcity that comes up, right? There was scarcity of resources. There was scarcity of time and energy. Um, there was a lot of financial turmoil for us in this phase. Oh, yeah. And I, these are the things that usually end relationships, right? So you dug really deep into uh, trying to make a go of a business. You mm -hmm. went to graduate school in business. You switched over from the dental. Like what happened to him there, right? Yeah. He decided to get an mm -hmm. MBA. He started an online business at first and eventually became physical stores, which he does now the franchising. But that wasn't a perfect thing. There was a lot of ups and downs in that. Um, I think it would be interesting for the audience to know that first two or three years, four years of practice, I paid the house payment myself. Like there oh, was no. a lot of me supporting the family financially while he was building a business. And, and that's long changed. <laughs> You're more of the, the the earner at this point. But I think it, it's always been beautiful for me to be able to also support the family in uh, the earning process, to feel like I also was able to contribute there. There was some sense of like, we can really work together to provide Um Again, I, this is just a different model of true partnership in all aspects, by right? mm -hmm. providing financially, providing emotionally for the physical and, and spiritual, you know, emotional needs of our children, providing for each other. Like we really took that model as like, this is our garden and we're doing all aspects mm -hmm. together. And it wasn't that we didn't delegate because I never have done taxes. I don't enjoy yeah. financial tax stuff. And you rarely cleaned a bathroom. We had little things <laughs> that you didn't like to do. Mike cleaned bathrooms in college and he was like, yeah, I don't like doing that. Right. And so I, 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 I've cleaned every toilet um, pretty much since we've gotten married, unless I made a kid do it. And, and it wasn't because he wouldn't if I asked him. But no, I don't know. You work as a custodian in a convention center in a, a sports yeah. facility. There was some trauma that you've never life. overcome. Yeah. But, um, but, I, but I definitely think that you know, you think about what brings you joy or what is your skill set and you let you let each other do that. And I think that's what we did. Right. And um, Whole Woman Link wouldn't exist. And some of these things, because, you know, Mike's great in marketing. He built my website. He he taught me all <laughs> the things that came of that business end and just saw my talents and gifts and was like, hey, I want to help you bring this to the world. So I really think that it was this divine partnership that God saw before we did of all these talents and gifts that would come together. But I can't imagine quite frankly, how lonely the marriage would have been. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to bring out to this community. So often we go in these role divided things yeah. and then we don't have a true partner and we seek outside the marriage. And so yeah. I want to tell this story because I think this is really important of the Sherwood phase. So we had our daughter, I'm in graduate school. Again, I have this beautiful supportive husband, but what happened is we were both so overwhelmed. And so Mike's busy trying to make a business happen. He's diving into the financial turmoil, quite frankly, that we had at this, this point just really trying to build a business and make a float of that. You had stopped taking care of yourself in many ways at yeah. this point. He yeah. had stopped working out. He wasn't eating well. Um, you had put on some weight, which is weird because that's probably the heaviest you've ever been. And yeah. you stopped taking care of yourself. And you, you started to kind of just kind of go away. You weren't mm -hmm. there, at yeah. least from my perspective. And I felt lonely. I missed you. And um, I didn't seek anything. I just, you know, I, I had this thing I would go – 
take care of the kids all day and do school at night. I did night school and weekend school so we can make it worth worth our little ones at this point because we had an infant, mm. a, a, like a two, three-month-old infant. But I did go to the gym regularly and you supported that. You were like, you need to do that. Get out of the house for you. That was like the only thing I did for self-care mm-hmm. outside of school. And so I'd go to the gym and there was always this young guy and he must have thought I was younger than I was, but he's probably five years younger than me. <laughs> we just call him the Sherwood guy. We don't know his name, but the Sherwood guy would always like check me in at the gym and gyms are often a place where like these things happen. It's really interesting. And so because I was a regular gym goer, he would see me or whatever, and he would always be friendly and I would say hello, but I didn't mean anything to me. I was just like, Hey, this is a nice, nice guy that checks me into the gym. Well, one day I it, it was very odd because I noticed there was some sort of connection. And so one day he said, Hey, I think I needed to renew something my membership. So there was some reason to visit outside of checking in. And mm. he, he said, oh, I'll take her. And I remember him running across the room. So I go and I sit with him and he, he all of a sudden he kind of starts this conversation with me, like kind of flirting with me. And he was like, he's like, I don't feel like your husband appreciates you. Mm. And I'd never had a man be so bold to say that to me. But I think the hard thing about that was at that stage, I didn't feel like you were. Yeah. And yeah. You know, and basically he's suggesting I would appreciate you. Now, he didn't know my ethics and my integrity. I would have never. I shut mm-hmm. him down. I said, you don't know my husband at all. Yeah. Please don't talk to me like that, right? And I was frustrated. And I came in and told you about it. And we we had our way of like dealing with him. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but the thing that the issue was is that that was true. I felt that way. Yeah, I think, I think um, you know, if I can share anything as a, as a husband in this, in this regard, I think uh, – Things can get tough sometimes financially. Mm-hmm. Um, the The weight of the world can feel um, like it's on our shoulders. And, and again, whether that's right or wrong, I mean, I, to me, I think that's a lot of false messaging from from over the generations that that is the sole responsibility of the husband. But ultimately, the the pressures can be can feel pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people respond to that differently. For me, I went inside, um, I went into hyper-focus mode and I was just in this mode of, I need to figure it out. I need, I need to make sure my family's okay. Um, and nothing else mattered at that point. Um, you know, whether it was my, whether it was my health and my physicality, whether it was a connection with the family, uh, all those became secondary things to this, to this hyper focus of, I need to put food on the table. Mm. And I think, um, as husbands and, uh, that that's something that periodically happens throughout our life. I think there's times when, when things can get really tough. And the real question is how do we respond? Uh, what is most important? Is it, is it worth losing our family, um, over that kind of uh, focus and that kind of reality? And, and that was, that was a really, um, I think a wake up call. To some yeah, extent. we we started a rule at that point that I would throw out to other relationships because eventually I ended up being a therapist and I sit with men with in intimate conversations weekly now, right? Yeah, and so very intimate conversations in my work. Um, I have very strong relationships with men. I have male friends regularly, so we'll talk about that. Um, but I do think that um, that he I I said to him, I said, hey, it was an opportunity, right? I could have taken that unmet need outside of the relationship. Instead, I came to the relationship and said, hey, this is what I'm feeling. I didn't actually feel like attraction to this person. So that was safe and that was good in this case. But what have I had? And that's what I told you. I said, I don't actually want a relationship with this person. That's totally one-sided for them. But what if they had? And I think that 
if I had seen maybe the avenue of, yeah, maybe this person can make all our dreams come true, right? And so that's that's one of the things when we get married, we we project onto our spouse. I love Eckhart Tolle on this, right? Mm-hmm. We project onto ourselves our subconscious needs. And we really believe, you know, Disney teaches us that, especially as women, that, you know, this person's going to come in and they're going to meet all our needs and they're going to fix us. They're going to they're gonna heal us. And, and I was kind of frustrated that you weren't making all my dreams come true at this stage. Like, hey, why am I not safe and secure and connected and loved? Like, that's your job. Yeah. You're supposed to do that for yeah. me. And so I was upset with you. Hey, you're not meeting my needs. And how a lot of people approach people when they're not having their needs met, and it's, I was classic on this, is it, it's a classic a, approach withdraw. Mm-hmm. So I did an approach, which was to nag you and tell you you're not good enough. You're, hey, get to the gym and work out. If you work out with me, this guy won't be hitting on me. Hey, you know, talk to me at night. You know, I just told you all the things that you weren't at this stage. Yeah. And then what did you do? You withdrew, which yeah. is natural. Yeah, I, I withdrew because the, the burdens that I was feeling um, at that time and, and uh, were, were causing emotional and, and, and self-worth issues internally already. Yeah. Uh, and so, so having, I just promoted that having somebody awesome. that that <laughs> was frankly supposed to be the safe person in my life mm-hmm. uh, being negative was really a difficult reality. And it did. It made me withdraw more and more and more. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what's interesting about it, I think I think, uh, you know, I have I have this kind of phrase and somewhere it always cracks up <laughs> um, that I think partially stemmed from that that time and that era. Um, and, uh, it's the concept of challenge accepted. You know, I think I, I finally got to the point where I realized that something had to change. Um, and, uh, so we made a physical change at that point. We, we actually moved to Florida and, and some things changed physically. Um, but I also personally felt like there needed to be some personal changes made. And so, um, I kind of just shut out what you were saying. I shut out all the negativity mm-hmm. and I started to make a decision that I'm going to do this for myself. Um, you were the first person to say, I'm going to heal me Yeah. versus somebody I'm gonna... has to make that call. Yeah. Right? Somebody has to be the, I call it the, the champion of the relationship. And yeah. that's true in theory. Actually, if you look at that, somebody has to be the first person to, to break the negative cycle. Yeah. And in our case, you were that person. And so you started to go to the gym for you. Mm-hmm. And you told me, I wanted everyone to know, he made a boundary. He's like, hey, every time you tell me <laughs> to go to the gym, I'm way less likely to go. You'd have to know my husband. It was like, I'm not going to do it for you. And and I, I actually did take a moment. I said, hey, you know, how would I feel if someone kept telling me I wasn't enough? If he if he had ever done the same thing to me, hey, you haven't lost the pregnancy weight or whatever. <laughs> like, honestly, I my I would have been like, you're out, buddy. You know, and, and he never did that. Mike yeah. never picked the, up my body. The I, double standard. of He never sense. ever did any of that to yeah. me. And so I looked at that and went, that's not okay. And, but I was like, but I still want this. I still want to be physically attracted to you. I really want to be emotionally attracted to you. And, um, but you did, you started to take care of yourself and that was big, but that didn't necessarily yet bring us together. No, it actually had a really interesting kind of flip effect to some extent. I I started taking care of myself. I started to work out. I started to eat better. Um, emotionally I was getting much healthier. Um, but remember at this point I was a business professional Mm -hmm. And so I was associating with highly ambitious coworkers and associates and, and individuals that I was meeting with. Um, and I started to really feel like I kind of found my tribe, like individuals that I felt like I was energetically, you know, similar to. Validated. Val- validated. And, yeah. 
and and I was getting a lot of validation. I was uh, and I was feeling a lot better about myself. Um, but with that came the opposite effect, and that was all of a sudden I also started to notice people were were checking me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was this weird kind of reversal of reality. But at home, it still hadn't necessarily changed yet. No, it had not. And so uh, we had a moment, mm-hmm. and we 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 actually can pinpoint this in time where, for the very first time, I know everybody everybody has this experience in their relationship where you look at each other and be like, maybe we actually can't make each other happy, or maybe we would be happier without each other. I think everybody thinks about that and plays that movie out. And we did, there was a moment where he was on the phone with a, a, a business professional and he was very empathetic and he was listening and he was hearing that person. I felt like they felt felt, right? <laughs> yeah. Feel felt is kind of my thing. And I, he got off the phone and I looked at him and I said, I, I honestly didn't have think he had the skill, you guys, because I did it all the time with one of my clients. And I knew that. And I at this time, I had an attractive, uh, almost like a pseudo you client who I I would never, ever break. But I knew that person was emotionally connected. We There was emotional connection. I just, I didn't, I don't go there with clients. But I didn't like the fact that I felt more heard and connected in this relationship and work. Than I just like you than I did, yeah, you know, yeah. with you. And I knew that I was like, I felt like, man, I can have this with somebody else. I'm not broken. I can do this with someone. Then, you know, I'm just not getting it with my spouse. And so I finally was like, all right. And I told you that's how I felt. And then you were honest and told me how you felt. And we finally realized that we had been considering without saying it to each other, mm-hmm. already leaving. We were kind of taking some emotional steps out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was shocking to us, I think, both of us. You know, what do we want? And and I think you have to play that movie out. And I think we both decided we wanted to fix it. We wanted to change it. And we kind of started to recognize what it was that we needed. We needed to feel felt. We needed to feel heard. We needed to feel connected, right? We needed to be whole personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not depend on our spouse as our source of happiness. Yeah. Exactly. And so that was interesting because the, the, um, yeah, we needed that. And so what I, what I want to talk about as a skill is to make the unfamiliar familiar or the mm-hmm. familiar unfamiliar. I had to stop, I had to start in this process and it wasn't immediate for me. I think it came a little bit later. You kept saying, I won't, I can't fix you. I can't make you happy. Yeah. And I, I started to realize that's true. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you started supporting me doing what I needed to do to do that. You know, what are the things that make you happy? What's the inner work that you need to do? And I did start deep diving. And and part of it just started with the inner dialogue. You know, what was familiar was invalidation for me. What was familiar is I'm not enough. Obviously, because that's what I was spewing out of my mouth to you. What you project onto other people is really about you. Yeah. And so I was like, hey, I, I'm insecure. I got to deal with this. And so I started to change my self-talk. You know, I am safe. I am secure. I am enough. I am connected to divine source. I'm loved. I'm, I'm enough. You know, these types of converse, inner conversations were happening um, and I was growing in that. And then I was bringing that growth to the relationship. And became, that became almost like I was growing up, like from a child to a woman. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, I started to experiment like, why do I, why did I do this? Just silly things like, why have I never worn a bikini? Why have I never <laughs> been to a concert? I never gave myself permission to even to explore that, yeah, right? Yeah. And I was like, I, I I need to do that. I need to grow. Yeah, we actually uh, took that as an opportunity as a couple mm-hmm. and almost collectively together relived the teenage years and mm-hmm. relived, you know, the 20s uh, and experienced what- We rose together. We grew up we, together. Yeah, what we felt like was missing and we, we rose together during that so we went to a bunch of concerts we, we played together we played together um yeah you know i i uh i realized that uh, 
you know, Summer likes likes courting, and she likes to. I love Hallmark Channel. She loves she loves Hallmark channels, <laughs> and so so I studied like crazy trying to figure out how can I court, how can I be empathetic, how what what can I do as a husband, what can I do as a as a lover to um, essentially make my wife or at least assist in that process of attraction. And that helped, but I think <clears> that it was just the honestly, the firm boundary of like, I can't fix you. I can't make you happy. And I really started to do my work, but then I felt championed and supported in you in doing that work Mm -hmm. because there had to be space made. I mean, obviously by this point we had three children and if you were like, I'm sorry, I've got to go do my job or, you know, I, you need to, if we had gone back to the old roles of, I'm sorry, I, I don't have space for you. But what we did is we created space for each other to to grow and explore. And one of the things I wanted to just end with, well, we're going to talk about obviously human sexuality, which is a huge piece of this growth in another podcast, you guys, because that's its own podcast. Um, but, you know, confidence is, is sexy, right? <laughs> that's one of the things I wanted to bring up. And, and there's this divine masculine, divine feminine, which by the way, lives in all of us. So we'll be talking about in future podcasts. So stay tuned. But the divine masculine is just kind of like an energy. If you look at it in Chinese medicine, they call it yin yang. They don't even attach it to gender. But like a woman has a divine masculine. She has this divine confidence, this divine leadership, this divine, the divine aspiration, right? Mm -hmm. To bring her purpose into the world. She has that. She also has the divine feminine, the creativity, the nurture, um, sexuality is divine feminine, right? This, this passion piece. Mm. And so those things were starting to grow up in me, but what was really growing in me was the divine masculine because I had denied that, right? The divine feminine actually came later for me to really connect to my sexy or whatever, but the divine confidence was the first piece. And, um, that was huge for me. And, and the fact that you didn't squash it, because I think sometimes for men, it's very common to, squash the confidence coming out in their spouse because it brings out maybe their own insecurity. Well, I, th- I think a society has taught men um, that submissive women mm-hmm. um, should be sought after, right? That there's a, mm-hmm. there's a power dynamic there when the reality is truly confident men, uh, men that are in the sphere that I interact with. And I, I interact with some amazingly well-adjusted, just powerful, confident men. And women. And women, but I'm, I'm getting, what I was yeah. saying is that those men are attracted to confident, powerful, well-adjusted women. Right. They're not attracted to some to, to those that are that are that where there's a power dynamic. Uh, and so, um, you know, I find confidence sexy. Mm-hmm. It's it's really that simple. And and um, and I think that's something that's changed in me over time. I I, I when you when I first saw you back in college. Um, there was that element to it where I, I, I wasn't afraid of confident women. Um, but now your confidence is, it's just, it's beautiful. Uh, and you know, if I can say anything to the men out there, if you, if there aren't even listening is, um, you, you have to go inside. And if you're uncomfortable with your wife being confident, if you're uncomfortable with your wife being a powerful woman, that's a you problem. You got to figure out what that is and work through that. Um, because you'll never get to that that truly championed relationship that you're seeking um, without the humility to realize that that's a beautiful thing when a woman's. Confident. If you want an equal partner, if you want this <clears throat> egalitarian, we are in this together, and we really feel like we're co-traveling together. There's no way else to get there. Right. That's the thing I really want to say. It's like you can't, you know, take the confidence away and then feel connected. Right? You were going to feel connected to people at work who had mm-hmm. that confidence. But if you were squashing it at home, then I would never be able to rise to be that 
partner that you would feel connected to. And so sometimes men are actually, and women both are squashing the very thing they're looking for, right? By that critical voice. And so you started to mirror to me, you know, confidence and empowerment. And I stepped into that for myself. And then in turn, I am very confident now when you need to go do stuff away or wherever. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about you having an affair. I also know he can choose it at any time. And I also understand where I'm at. I'm because my needs are, I'm secure in my relationship. I understand I can have male friendships and I can have these beautiful divine friendships with men. And because my needs are met, I'm not seeking anything there. And I'd love to see a world get there where I have, I have a real, there many very close friends that are male. And I think they bring a beautiful balance to my life. And for a long time, I went away from male friendships because I was taught that if I had a male friendship, I would step out on my marriage. Right. And I, and I think that's bull, but, um, (laughs) but what it's really about, and it's not for everyone is until you're secure in your relationship, I wouldn't recommend male friends. Actually. I think it's super important to, but we had a rule, which I'm not sure we actually told them, which is anytime there was insecurity or an unmet need that came up when I was interacting with a male that always bring it back to the relationship Mm. as an opportunity. So we could talk about it and meet it within the marriage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it's become a great journey. If ever I do, oh, I love this about my friend Antonio, or I love this about this friend, right? I tell you that and you're like, awesome. You know, how are we that? Right. And, 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 um, it takes, it takes a lot of security as a spouse to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if, if you're not at a place where you are as a couple and as a relationship, um, I can understand some of the hesitancy and some, we of the wouldn't have been able to do it in the Sherwood phase. Yeah. There's, there's certain, there's certain, and there's, there's a time and a season, you know, mm-hmm. I think as you develop and you get into higher consciousness and, mm-hmm. and you realize and you step into kind of your true self and, and, and you have that inner confidence and that, that reality sets in, boy, you can have some amazing relationships with, with men and with women and and it's just the connection's amazing but it's not threatening to your own spousal relationship right and and the last thing i want to know is you know we have two beautiful girls and i want you to share what you shared with me about our girls because i think for any men listening i think this is an important uh thing and we have a son i mean it's both Mm. sides i think we need to look at what we're mirroring to our children Uh, daughters daughters tend to get their value and self-worth from their fathers yeah um there's there's nothing worse than than a father uh, invalidating his daughters. Um, I have a I think what what Summer's referencing here is probably twofold. But one of them is, is uh, that uh, when I see Summer stepping into herself and being confident um, in choosing the life that she she has uh, chosen, um, what better example? to our daughters. I can't imagine our daughters growing up in a world and growing up in an environment where they don't feel like they can do anything they want. Um, and I want to be the father that shows those daughters that, that even the men in their lives support and champion them fulfilling their, whatever they would like to fulfill. And they'll be supportive in that. Um, I think there's a, there's some real value to that. Um, you know, but for my daughters, I mean, it's, um, I tell them every day, or at least almost every day, um, not just that I love them, because I think that, that that falls on deaf ears, even though I think it's important to say, um, but I tell them something that I learned just a few years ago, actually, uh, at my sister's wedding. Uh, there was a gentleman there that uh, was really inspirational, and I, I learned something from him, and he would uh, 
go to the youth uh, that he interacted with and he would he would look at them and he would he would say looking in their eyes he would say you know what i love about you everything you know what i want to change nothing and mm, he would say that so powerful over and over and over again and i say that to my daughters constantly now to the point where when i say it when i say you know what i love about you they respond and they say everything mm-hmm. and you know what i want to change and they look at me and they say nothing you guys you have to think about that think about what i taught you today making the unfamiliar mm. familiar right maybe the unfamiliar for women and men is that they are enough just as they are and mike has made it familiar for our daughters that they are enough that they are good enough and what happens is people internalize it and they go in the world not as arrogant actually they mm-hmm. just go in the world as confident that i am enough and now i can be that person that contributes with love and service to the world. I'm not seeking after unmet needs all the time. We seek after our unmet needs in often unhealthy ways. And so we really want, it's the opposite. We don't want to tell our children they're not enough and where they need to change. We want to tell them they are enough. They are loved. They are secure. And then from that place of security, they go forth and they make the changes. We heal ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened with me. Mike did that with me on some level. Yeah, I was going to say, can you do that with your spouse? Yeah, you did. You said... you. You said to me, even though you have weakness, you are enough just as you are. And, and that was what made me feel like I could let go of the perfectional, let go of the, the, the shame, the aspirational shame. Like, I'm enough and, and take risks. There was no such thing as failure. There was just learning in our marriage. I would never be like, oh, my gosh, that was a huge failure. And you'd be like, yeah, that was. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> that never, ever happened. He would be like, what did you learn? Right? How mm-hmm. did you grow? And same with our son. We've really taught him uh, that he wants a partner. And he, he's very much a champion for women. You know, yeah. he gets very frustrated when he feels a differing power dynamic. He's all the time, I want a partner, I want a partner. And I think we can also create that for our children. It's worth doing. I mean, you think about a world where men and women stand in equality with each other, that, that there's that divine feminine and masculine coming together as one. Um, that is that is the goal of Home and Link, right? Like We realize that women are more likely to listen to these things, right? So I hope that you'll share this podcast with a man in your life, uh, maybe think take these aspects and maybe talk to them about it if they won't listen for 45 minutes it's a little long but it was an important topic today and i'm so excited to come again maybe have mike back on in a little while and we'll talk about human sexuality because we know that's an important topic for marriage all right that's right stay tuned but thanks so much for joining us today and um we'll talk to you soon